Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Mike. Today, we are excited to be joined by Mike Sicoccio. Mike is the executive director at the City Mission of Schenectady, New York. And you might ask yourself, the City Mission? How is that entrepreneurial? Well, holy smokes, this was one of the fascinating interviews that I did, and I think our listeners will really enjoy this one. Agreed, Bela. Let's get right to it. Hello, listeners. Today, I'm here with Mike Sicoccio. He is the executive director and CEO of the Schenectady City Mission. And you might be asking yourself, what does a city mission have to do with entrepreneurship? Well, I think you'll learn by the end of this podcast that Mike is extremely entrepreneurial and he has led the city mission into all sorts of very creative entrepreneurial endeavors. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. It's a privilege to be with you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, so, Mike, can you uh, share with us a little bit about what the city, the Schenectady City Mission does? Well, we are a traditional shelter in the sense that we provide shelter and services for homeless men, women, and children. So that's about 100 men, women, and children come every night to the mission. We serve meals. We provide clothing. All the things that people would think of for a shelter. Where we might get a little different is we also have long-term training programs. And our real passion, Bill, uh, the thing that gets me to come to work every day is to help men and women build new lives for themselves and their families. It's a deep-seated belief that the people we serve have great capacity, great potential. Our job is not only to help them when they're in trouble, but to help unlock that potential and help them be game changers when they go back out into the community. Right, right. Very nice. So you're providing much more than just a, a warm bed and some meals, right? So you're you're providing right. a way for them to change their lives. Right. Those things are so important, the, the safe shelter, the meals, the clothing, but they are a starting point. It's that change lives that is really the, the best part of what we do. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, uh, Mike, how long has the city mission been in existence? Well, we actually started in 1906. And it goes back to the early days of General Electric in Schenectady. And with industrialization, people, if they know their history, people were flocking to a city like Schenectady because the jobs were here. That's a good thing, but many people fall through the cracks. And some local churches in Schenectady were noticing more and more men in particular at that time who were had no place to go. And, and so they, they formed a coalition to start City Mission in 1906. And we've been here ever since. Wow. How long have you been there, Mike? I started the mission in 1989, running the youth program. I left for two and a half years to be the deputy mayor of the city of Schenectady. Then I came back in 94. So I've been very blessed that I've been here since 1994. Wow. That's a long history with the mission there. It is. It is. And I, I tell people, I like to say this about my time at the mission. I've had more failures more disappointments and more defeats than I ever thought possible. And I'm more excited today than the day I started. So yeah. I've been more excited about coming to work than I am right now. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So uh, Mike, is the Schenectady City mission unique in, in its way of sort of helping people move on in life as opposed to just providing food and shelter? Well, I think there's unique aspects. We're part of an association called the City Gate Network. And that's probably a 200 missions across the country 
I think every one of them shares the belief that I started with that, hey, we're here to provide emergency services, but we want to invest in life change. What might make us a little unique is the influence we have in the community, as well as our social enterprises. That is a big part of where the mission is and where we're going in the future. So uh, what do you mean by social enterprises, Mike? Well, it is a sense of wanting to develop businesses that the mission can operate that not only have a, can be profitable, but provide opportunities for the people we serve to demonstrate their abilities in the community. So it's kind of that three-point test. Um, it creates opportunities for people we serve. Uh, it provides a public good, and it also is, can pay for itself. If, if it's not profitable, at least it can break even. Wow. So the, the, the Schenectady City mission, in addition to providing you know, food and shelter, also has some other enterprises that generate yes. revenue and provide training and skill learning opportunities for your residents. We do. I'll give you a great example, Bela. So we're in downtown Schenectady, right next to Proctor's Theater, which is kind of the centerpiece of downtown Schenectady. Now, our listeners could quickly deduce that having a homeless shelter and a theater next to each other could be problematic. And I, I like to say nobody would start out planning it that way. But, but here we are. We sensed as Proctor's was growing and beginning to flourish, as restaurants were opening up, we sensed the tension that nobody really wants a homeless shelter around. It's not that we're against what we do, but should we be in the, the main block of downtown? So we knew we had to develop, we couldn't change who we were, but we had to demonstrate a different capacity of the people we serve. So we created a hospitality program in downtown Schenectady in partnership with Proctor's Theater called the Downtown Ambassadors Program. So we train men and women who've come through the missions programs to be out on the sidewalks, greeting people, providing a whole range of hospitality services from just welcoming people to connecting people to parking or restaurants. It's been going for 10 years. Bell has been so successful that we now have contracts with the business district, with the theater, and with businesses throughout the the downtown community. It creates jobs for our residents. It's changed the public perception of what a homeless man or woman is capable of. And it's built a sense of community. The businesses actually hold fundraisers for the ambassadors. So the line I like to use is downtown Schenectady is the only downtown in America where the business people pay the homeless to stand in front of their businesses and greet their customers. So <laughs> I think that's a good example. Wow, Mike, that's fabulous. So uh, how do you provide uh, the, the training for your ambassadors, right? I mean, you're giving them social skills. You're helping them present themselves in, a, in maybe a manner that they're not accustomed to. Uh, yes. How do you do that? Well, two things. First of all, we provide the training they don't have. So it can be city mission volunteers. It can be staff that is teaching what is the work ethic, um, what does it mean to serve a customer? We also contract with businesses that do sales training. And just to make sure that we're really providing our folks with top level training, because the goal always, Bella, is they're not going to make a career as an ambassador. It's a stepping stone. So we want them, if they're going to go to a hotel or a restaurant or another service industry, that they're ready for that, that they can make that jump. So we, we do that type of training. But the other part is to recognize the giftedness they already have. And, and particularly when you're doing a program that involves hospitality in an urban setting uh, throughout 12 months of the year, cold of winter, heat of summer, you want people that have a life experience that allows them to deal with situations that might occur in any downtown area. 
So it's also helping them recognize, you know, what you call your life is actually a very valuable and rich experience. And when you can learn to incorporate that, how you do hospitality, guess what? The local college student can't do that. They don't have your life experience. So we train them what they don't know, but then we help identify what they do know and make sure they see that as a valuable asset for their um, role in the workplace. Wow. Wow. That's really fabulous. And you said this program has been ongoing for 10 years? It is. We're in our 10th year now, and it's really just grown every year. Right now, of course, with the coronavirus crisis, a lot of downtown has been closed down. Uh, so we don't have the same workload, but we reassigned our ambassadors to do other work, and, and they're thriving in that. And right now, we, we have a contract with the Skankity Green Market, which has started. So we're going to have to rebuild this business like a whole lot of other business people. Uh, the unexpected happened. And so it's time to rebuild and, and reinvent ourselves in some ways. Yeah. So speaking of the of the coronavirus, how, how has that impacted the city mission? It's changed. It's changed the normal for us. Uh, so in the early days, we were an essential business, understandably. So we stayed open. We had to relearn how to do after 114 years. We had to relearn how to run a mission uh, dormitory sleeping was not an option anymore. We had to create pods and create quarantine space and isolation space. So in those early days, every day we were relearning as the information was unfolding, right? If we think back to the beginning of this, every day we're learning more about this virus and how to treat it. So it really was a great learning experience. And as difficult as it was, we were able to keep our doors open every day. We never closed for an hour. And now I have a staff, Bela, that is a better staff than they were in March because they've been through this. They've learned that they have the capacity to reinvent that. And also that there's always opportunities in any adverse situation. Our opportunity was this. When, when COVID-19 hit, we had to stop all our volunteer service. At City Mission, that averages 700 hours of week. So think of the value of that to an organization, 700 hours of quality people doing quality work that we don't have to pay for. It was gone literally overnight. The opportunity was now our residents and our graduates were going to have to stand up and fill the gap. And we were able to demonstrate what we've always been saying, that the people we serve have great potential. And what we saw over the past few months is watching our men and women step up and not only get the job done, but discover new purpose. And many of them are saying now, I like this. I, I like being the problem solver. I like what it feels like. And I don't want to let this go. This is what I want my life to be about. So we've been able to demonstrate to our partners, our, our funders, our partners that, hey, this product we've been talking about, it is real. And now it's crisis tested. Yeah, yeah. Has the, has the COVID crisis put uh, a capacity constraints on, on the city mission? It did. That was one of the challenges. We really felt in the early days that we couldn't be taking new people in, right? So people would come to our door and when COVID started, it was still wintertime. We had to, as a community, we had to arrange a temporary shelter off the mission's grounds because the concern of someone came in who was positive, what could that trigger in the shelter? So we didn't ask anybody to leave. We kept everybody we had but that was one of the struggles, Bela, is we couldn't take new people in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
let's switch gears away from the COVID here for a sure. second. And, and let's talk about Mike a, a little bit. What's sort of your background and, and, and your history? Did you grow up in Schenectady? I did. I grew up in Rotterdam, which is a town in Schenectady County. Went to college at Union College, which is in Schenectady. So had a great experience there and always wanted to, to be in politics, to work in government. That was my passion. I had the privilege to play professional baseball for three years. And um, that dream ended <laughs> back in the day. I ran out of talent. And I was promptly told by the Montreal Expos that that was the case. I should find a new career. So I went and got a master's in public policy and got a job working in the state legislature, loved it, and came across City Mission really by serendipity. I just started volunteering there, never thinking it would be my career. And um, after volunteering for several months, I was offered a job and I felt that was the right thing to do. And so with the exception of the few years I was deputy mayor, this has been my life's work. Wow. Wow. And is there a, a history of sort of uh, uh, entrepreneurship or social service uh, in, in, in your family? No. Well, my father uh, was self-employed businessman. He was in sales. So he, yes, he was the ultimate entrepreneur. Uh, my dad could never work a nine to five. He could never work for anybody else. Uh, he had to be his own boss. He was very creative very industrious. So I think I got some of that, although I'm not a salesman. I get cold calls are not my style, but I love telling a story and I love helping people succeed and then going out as a spokesperson to build investment so that we can, we can do more. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other examples besides the ambassador program of, of that you guys have done in social enterprise? Yes, absolutely. We, um, did a study of a lot of our graduates, Bela, were getting jobs, and we found that the people we serve, not only at the mission, but in the community, that um, they could get jobs, but keeping the job was the problem. It wasn't because they lacked work ethic, but life was very unstable, and they were always one upset away from not being able to get to work every day. Look, we all have upsets, but in most of our lives, we have enough margin that something can go wrong, we deal with it, but we don't miss work, we, we stay on. A lot of the folks we serve, it could be something as simple as you get a flat tire and you've got to get four new tires, you don't have the money, now you can't get to work, right? So people were getting jobs, they were working hard, but it was transportation, it was other issues in life, it was housing, they couldn't keep the job. So we decided that we wanted to get into the retention business. So a few years ago, we started something. It was a program that had started out of the Midwest. It's called the Employer Resource Network. And this is a retention program in which City Mission trained success coaches that businesses would hire. And they would go into that business for a fee, and they would help mostly under-resourced employees stay on the job. So when that crisis came, maybe it was a utility bill unexpected. Maybe it was a child having problems, an elderly parent that needed care. The success coach's job was, how do we solve that problem for you but keep you working? It was so successful in a few years, it grew from six businesses to over 40 in the capital region. And that program has continued to grow. We're now working with Schenectady ARC to help us take it to another level. That was, to me, classic entrepreneurial. What's the problem? What's the solution? 
And can we be the bold, the innovative ones to go out and, and try to make it work? And, and it has, and it's been a great story. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fabulous. So Mike, you talk about graduates from, from yes. your Schenectady City mission. Do you have a formal program you put folks through? We do. We have two programs. One is a 90-day program we called Rebuild. The other is a one-year program called Bridges to Freedom. And what it's really saying to a person is, look, over the next year, we're going to put a roof over your head. We're going to provide you food and clothes. You're not going to have to worry about that. Focus 100% on building your skills, on addressing your issues, on equipping yourself so that when you leave the mission, you're not only going to be able to survive, but thrive and, and, and be a, a leader in the community. So it does things like basic life skills, work skills, workplace etiquette. It has counseling programs for people that struggle with addiction. There's recovery programs. Uh, there's Bible studies because we're a faith-based organization. There's all money management, uh, a whole host of issues that we all, skill sets, Bill, that we all have. That allows us to stay above water, but often we just take for granted and almost assume they're innate when, in fact, they've been taught and learned. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, if someone comes, you know, knocks on your door at, uh, you know, eight o'clock tonight and says, hey, I need a place right. place to, to, to sleep. Um, how do I sort of transition from being a transitory person who kind of comes there, you yes. know, occasionally? to sort of being a resident and engaging in these services? No, Bill, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because the difference makers, very few people come here to change their lives. They, they come here to get off the streets, to be safe. It could be a mom and children, just like, I just need to be safe. The great ambassadors, and this is different from the other ambassador program, we have over 30 former residents on staff. They are the ones that come alongside that man or woman who just came in the shelter. And they said, guess what? A year ago, two years ago, five years ago, I, I walked through that door. I know what this feels like. But let me tell you, there's hope. The mission has programs that can change your life. And they really give people to believe that they're coming in survival mode. But those changed lives become a concrete expression that maybe change is possible for them. The standard line our graduates use is, if, it, if my life can change, your life can change. Right. They, they also have another expression that I love. They say my mess has become my message. So the, the story of my life, it could be addiction. It could be prison. It could be failures, all sorts of things. I now don't have to live. I don't have to hide that. I can actually use that to help other people who are there to let them know that that life can be changed. We also bail because one year doesn't really get the job done for a lot of folks. Um, but yet you really can't stay that much longer in a place like the mission. So we started buying apartments nearby the mission. So this is another enterprise and it was a twofold need. First of all, the neighborhood had deteriorated and we were suffering the ill effects of neighborhood when it, when it becomes chronically under-resourced. So we wanted to improve that. We also, our graduates need a place to stay. We now have um, 24 apartments that we own. We just, built eight brand new apartments. It was a $1.2 million project. And we can now offer after someone leaves, graduates, what we call transitional housing for two years where they pay a program fee, they can engage in savings. And while they're working, they can be in a stable, supportive environment to make that transition back into the community. So the blessing for us, more services for our folks. It has a revenue stream attached to it. 
and it was neighborhood revitalization. So that's been a big winner. And we're now in the process of raising money to add 20 more units. Wow. Wow. So one of the, one of the themes that I think uh, is emerging here in our conversation is this making sure the city mission engages and partners with both the city and with the businesses in downtown. How important has that been for you guys? Oh, I think it's essential because it's what helps build having some influence. And our, our approach is how can we serve them? Okay. Right now we're part of a coalition that's sponsored by the Schenectady foundation. We started what was called the COVID-19 response effort. Now it's the recovery effort and I'm heading up the workforce development group and we're going to local business owners who are really struggling to get back online saying to them, we have resources that can help you reopen. Uh, we're here to serve you. Um, so really, whether it's the mayor's office or local business people, rather than saying you should help us, we want to start with, we think it's a privilege to serve you. How can we help what the mayor's trying to do? How can we help what the downtown business district's trying to do? If we do that effectively, you know what, they, they will in turn then want to help and work with us. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, it, you know, I'm thinking if, uh, if you go knock on the door of a, of a business that maybe doesn't, isn't fully aware of your history and your past successes right. and, and you say, you know, I'm from the city mission. I have some resources. I have some people who can help you and work with you. Uh, I can see how the reaction might, might be <laughs> right. lukewarm sometimes at, at best. best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. So how do you, how do you sort of get over that? How do you, how do you sort of conquer that? Uh, another great question. I, I've developed a quote that says, a small reality is more compelling than a grand theory. Yeah. And if I if I only engage in theoretical discussions of what we're capable of, those doors will never stay open. All we can do, because the doubt is understandable, is start building a caseload of, of friends that have been helped who can then speak to that business owner. A business owner really can't hear it from me, but he or she can hear it from a fellow business owner that says, you know what, they did help me. So really, I think what it's trying to do is going in there making the presentation, but when that lukewarm or incredulous response comes, having a backup plan that says, this is concrete, this is real, and would you be willing to talk to someone that's benefited from it? Yeah, yeah. So Mike, uh, one of the things I'm thinking of here is it, in in many ways, the the folks that are are in these programs that that you have are are sort of like your employees in in in, in a way, uh, in mm-hmm. in that you know they're out representing you, they're out representing the city mission. Uh, how do you sort of go through your selection process and deciding? You know, one of the big challenges for an entrepreneur is hiring people, right? Bringing yes. people into the organization. And, and, and that's always a big topic for folks. And so I'd like to get your thoughts on, on sort of how you think about that. Yeah. Well, well certainly um, you got to accept the fact that we're not going to bat a thousand. And yeah, nobody it's, does. Right. right. It's yeah. far from a perfect process. So we do our best analysis to learn about the person, to try to match their skill sets with what the job is, to realize that for something like an ambassador, it takes a certain personality So try to make the right match. But I think like any business person, it's also paying attention. And if it doesn't work, moving quickly to the next option. 
Not to say to the person, you're not good. All we're saying is this is not the right fit. Let's help you find another one. So I think you, you have to be aware enough to try to make the right match, but then aware and humble enough to say, we misread that one. It's not a good match. And we need to start, we need to change it now and try to come up with an alternative for this person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so let, let me ask that same question to your uh, full-time employees, yes. uh, the, the people on your staff. How do you, yeah. how do you think about, I mean, it takes, it, it's got to take a special person to sort of engage in this type of work day in and day out. Right. And, and how do you sort of go through that uh, selection process? Yeah. You know, I was just talking with our director of human resources here and I said, we need a test for resiliency at, at the end of the day. And that that's a hard one to pull from a resume. So increasingly trying to make interview questions along the lines of tell me about experience that took you to the limit, that you didn't think you could make it through, but you developed a strategy to, to get through and, and, and how that made you better. Really making sure I'm talking with people that have really been brought to the limits of themselves. Mm-hmm. A place like City Mission, well, there's, there's, there's more failure than there is success. So there's more heartbreak then there is celebration. Uh, the good news is when the victories come and the celebrations come, they're, they're life-changing and there's kind of an exponential return. That person goes out and reaches others. But it's really making sure that in addition to what's your professional credentials, can you handle, are you humble enough to not take things personal? Right? One of my the woman who runs our women's shelter, just a wonderful woman who's a just a world changer. She says to people, Q-tip, quit taking it personal. Okay, so trying to test that, that spirit of resiliency that you can get broken down, but always get back up. Not to be tough, but still with that soft heart. So that's the balance we're looking for. Can you be tough enough to handle defeat and disappointment and yet when that next person comes, still have that tender heart that says, I'm going to do all I can to help you. We believe that your future hasn't been written yet. So that's imperfect. I, I take great comfort from all the money and resources that go into an NFL draft and how many quarterbacks still don't make it. <laughs> yeah. Right. There is no data set that can tell you about heart. Only time and trials can prove that. So Let's do the best we can. Let's try to learn and get better. Uh, but let's be let's be flexible and, and nimble so that we can adjust and know when it's not going to work. Yeah, well said, Mike. Well said. I, I think you're the first person out of nearly a hundred of these episodes that we've done who's talked about resiliency uh, mm-hmm. as really an important sort of characteristic of of being able to get through those challenges and struggles that happen in work and in life. Uh, in life, yeah. And, and, and sort of moving past them and, and turning them into a positive, right? Learning from them and then, and then getting the positive energy out of them and, and, and not spiraling down into a, a negative. And I'm glad you added that about finding the positive. That, that's a great addition to what I was saying because it can't burn you out. It, it can't make you bitter or cynical. No, you have to find out that, hey, I, I learned something in this. It's, it's making me more empathic. 
and, and, and just really it's making me a better person so that when the next person comes, I'm bringing them a little more life experience, a little more wisdom. And that's the one thing I can say after 30 years of being with the mission, I have no cynicism. I, I, there's no, there's, there's only hope, a, a growing hope, but there's a full awareness that this is a long, hard road and, and people fail more than they succeed. But you know what? The, the, the rewards come to those who persevere. Yeah. And, and that's where this battle is won. Yeah. So, so Mike, uh, you know, what, putting on my venture capitalist hat and my, my entrepreneurial hat, uh, I say to myself, gee, how can we, how can we take what you've done in Schenectady and, 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 uh, multiply it, spread it, right? Turn it into a franchise, so to speak. It's not a yes. great word, but sort of franchise the, the energy and the programs and the success rate that you have had uh, to, to other places. Have, have you ever thought about those types of things? You know, we, we, we have had discussions, Bill, and people have approached us. It's, it's never quite gotten off the ground because uh, the work here, the next opportunity always comes up and I uh, feel that's the first priority. But I do know that there's universal principles that have emerged from our experience that will work anywhere. Three that I like to talk about a lot is adversity creates the best opportunities. Uh, if you want to make an impact that is truly big, think and act truly small, right? And that helping serving others is the best way to help yourself. So kind of those three, those are three counterintuitive principles but they have formed the essence of, I think, our spirit of innovation. Um, and I think that's going to work anywhere. The, the rest part is then understanding your environment. The ambassadors program worked for us because we have a theater across the street. But there is the same opportunity for any mission in a city. But what is that entity that offers you a natural organic partnership that is that is win-win once you see the opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, it, it it seems to me that that you should you should write a a, a guide to you know building and <laughs> yeah. growing a successful mission uh, in an in an oh, er, in a in a city environment. Yeah, I mean, Alan, I think that's kind of you. It means a lot coming from you. Bill. Well, well, I mean it. I mean, there, you you guys have been so successful, uh, and there's a lot of golden nuggets in sort of you know what you guys have done. And, and finding a way to uh, share that with others so that in, in a more formal way, um, yes. I think, I think yeah. is uh, maybe that'll be when you retire, you can write that, uh, you can write that booklet. That would be something <laughs> to look forward to, right? Until then, we'll try to keep on building a caseload. Yeah. Case studies. Yeah. 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 So as you think about the, the mission in its current status, what are the big challenges going forward? What are the things that, you know, keep you up at night, make you worry? Yeah, um, certainly we're in a very unique time, um, even as a community and as a nation and as a world with all the racial unrest, issues of justice and social justice are big. Uh, we want to make sure we're an organization that is on the cutting edge of that. People see it as a place of gathering, of coming together a place that my, my goal for the mission is a, that it would be a place, an organization that knows how to take on hard issues, complex issues, and knows how to engage in robust dialogue over complex issues. And yet always, always in a spirit of respect and coming together, always with the belief that 
the best gift we can give each other is community. And that the essence of true community is our differences, that it can't really be community if it's monolithic. So, you know, trying to get on the cutting edge of that is certainly one of them. Secondly, Bill, the mission, uh, we're 100% privately funded. We don't receive any government dollars. So there's always struggles of philanthropy and where is that going? So when an economy really takes a hard hit, uh, you get concerned. In our case here, we've been blessed for 30 years by a wonderful partnership with GE and the GE Foundation. Um, that foundation had a matching gift program that is now ended for retirees. So we know General Electric's going through very hard times, both for current employees and in particularly retirees. So that's going to cost us probably about $150,000 a year. Now, in saying that, I want to say I'm still, I'll always be grateful to GE and the foundation. They didn't have to do it once. They did it for 30 years. So we're going to be grateful, but there's concerns. Being in upstate New York, as you know, Bella, there's a lot of resource migration out of this area into other parts of the country. So I see a lot of people who have been good donors and partners leaving this area, going off into the Southeast or Southwest. Um, and okay, so who's going to take their place? So there's a lot of things that cause me concern, but no worries because, um, you know, God will provide, and each one of those challenges is really an invitation to learn something we've never learned before, and, and I trust that they, they will make us better, not simply um, survive, but they'll help us be a better organization. Yeah, yeah, well said, Mike, and, and, and your attitude really uh, really shines through all of this on, on looking at these challenges as opportunities yes. to learn and to to you know, not let them get you down, but to say, all right. right. And, and, you know, we've had a, a fair number of, of guests uh, in, the, in the last several months whose businesses have been tremendously impacted by the COVID thing. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just amazing how they have all sort of had that similar positive energy of saying, uh -huh. okay, yes. uh, this right. is another challenge. You know, I, I had challenges in the past being right. an entrepreneur and I'm going to figure this one out and, and, and they move on from there. I guess we would call that the unconventional path, right? <laughs> yeah. The spirit of the entrepreneur. And Bill, I'm excited about how much room for improvement I have. I mean, what gives me a lot of hope is I'm not nearly what I could be or what I should be. So I love the fact that when I come to work every day, I have to earn the position and, and I have to get a lot better. That is so much better than having a job where I got this figured out and, and now it's just, just managing uh, kind of a status quo. I love the fact that I can get a lot better than I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. So if we take on the, the larger topic of not-for-profits, right? You guys right. are a not-for-profit uh, and they have some unique challenges. Uh, as you think about the, you know, the, your career and your experience there, what sort of words of advice uh, would you have for other people running, not just city missions, you know, but, but not-for-profits in general? How, what, what, what words of advice do you have for them? I think it would be that, and again, again, to be unconventional in the sense that if you're working with private donors, um, how do we make ourselves compelling to them? What, what are their interests? Remember, they're investors. 
I had a major donor call the other day, said, Mike, how can we help you in this crisis? I said, you know what? No, now it's our turn to show you the return on your investment. You've been faithful. You've been generous. You've always been there for us. Now we're going to show you these men and women you've invested in. You're going to watch them bear fruit. You're going to watch them solve problems and help others. So for right now, it's our chance to give back to you. And so it's really always thinking those terms. It's also realizing like any investor, they have a right to expect us to be getting better, to to not simply be telling them all our problems, but how we can solve these problems and how they can help make things better. So I think it's really embracing that entrepreneurial spirit of no one has the luxury of saying, this is our product, support it forever. Right? We, we have to constantly be evolving and, and, and becoming more innovative so that people see us as compelling. That's what I love about private funding. In a sense, those are customers and they have to be convinced that the, the dollars they worked hard to earn are best invested in us because there's a lot of good options out there, Bayless. So embrace and get excited about the fact that that's not a burden that's an opportunity and a privilege. And it's really what allows you to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point, Mike. And, and I can imagine that um, when you have a specific program like the ambassadors program or your apartments, uh, those are also for some donors that they want to, they want to give to a, it to a specific project, I'll call it as yes. opposed to right. the general fund, right? right. There's sort of right. two categories yes. there. Uh, yes. and, and, and having specific projects that you can rally folks around, uh, right. I think is probably a, also another good technique that you guys have utilized quite well. Yeah, there's real balance to that, right? Having special projects for people, but that general fund really needs to be fed too. Yeah, I, I like when we have our banquet, I'll stand up and say, you know, uh, 10% of our money goes to administration, but may I make a case as an administrator? That's not all bad. <laughs> I, feel, I feel as administrators, we have something to contribute to the cause. So. Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> yes. Right? So, it, yeah, it's really, it, and, and for us, it's seasonal. We, you know, we get a lot of givers connect with us in the holidays. So it's knowing that that's not the time to roll in special projects, that that's where we can really raise money for the everyday work we do, yes. the general on work. And then summertime's a great time to roll when the interest wanes and those things to then roll out a new product line. Uh, and that's why we're, we're rolling out this next construction project this summer. Right. So like any entrepreneur, what's my product line and how do I bring it across the year that I stay on the front part of people's minds and hearts? Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So Mike, uh, respect, I want to respect your time. We've been at this almost 40 minutes. Uh, is there anything uh, that I have not asked you that I should have asked you or that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about? You know, you've asked great questions. I, I think the thing that I would want to make sure I'm conveying is for me, the sense of privilege I have of having this job, that it's, it's really one, the longer I'm here, the more I, I begin to grasp what a, what a trust I've been given, what a privilege I've received. And that, I don't ever want to lose that, that every day I get to come here, um, I've been given a gift. And so the, the best way we tell our graduates, the best way to say thanks is to give back, called giving thanks by giving back. And so I want to make sure that in things we've talked about and the excitement I have for these things, 
it's also a recognition that really I'm the blessed one. When I came here 30 years ago, Bella, I wanted to teach. I wanted to help others. I wanted to make a difference. Hopefully that has happened. What I never expected is I'm the one that would get taught. I'm the one who would be helped. The difference would be made in my life and that it would come from the very men and women I came to serve. So it's really conveying that sense of um, the, the honor uh, of this trust that I've been given for as long as I have it. I, I want to do it well. Yeah. Uh, excellent, Mike. Very well said. Mike, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I've really enjoyed uh, this time and, and uh, learning a little bit more about you. We've known each other uh, sort of uh, for five, six years, I think, or maybe longer. I, I, I'm not very good with time. Uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate you being on the show, uh, and thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation, and again, very privileged to have this time with you, Bela. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Mike. Bela, I think this was my favorite interview out of all 95 or 96 or whatever number we're on that you've done. Um, I just loved how uh, Mike explained kind of his life's work and the work of the mission and really um, opened up my eyes uh, to uh, the concept of innovation, the concept of entrepreneurialism, the concept um, of trying to create value in lots of different ways and overlaying this against something that I think a lot of people just kind of walk right by and don't think about. And in this case, it's a homeless shelter um, and a social service agency that uh, anchors uh, Schenectady. So I just thought this was genius. Um, even things like, you know, the downtown ambassador program, turning um, something that was viewed by many people as a problem, right, into a huge win for everybody. Uh, so I thought this was fantastic. You know, looking at all the social unrest, um, you know, we recorded this in June 2020 um, with lots of social unrest uh, all over the U.S. and all over the world. Um, and with all the social problems that we see throughout the U.S. that this kind of innovation just needs to be multiplied many times across every city, every small town across the U.S., all the rural areas. And people need to just kind of put down their phones and help be part of the solutions. Right. Um, and it's not just in terms of the homeless, but I think there's so many issues related to the structural racism uh, in terms of addiction and health and nutrition and education and domestic violence. And, and these are just really complex problems that aren't going to go away easily. And in the past, I think people look to the federal government in the U.S. Um, to solve some of these problems. But it's pretty clear to me that uh, looking at this from over in Germany, that the U.S. government isn't really set up on the U.S. to solve these problems. So, um you know, on some of these things and the debates right now that are going on about um, policing issues in the U.S., this is all interrelated. So I loved the thinking that was going on that Mike brought to the table about uh, how to attack some of these um, these really deep set complex problems um, in creative and unique ways. What struck you most about your conversation, Bela? So, Mike, this was one of my my favorites uh, interviews, and I've known Mike for a number of years. Uh, he was actually our graduation speaker uh, a number of years ago where he filled in at the last minute for somebody. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, it was a very uh, inspiring uh, uh, speech that he gave uh, to our graduating students. Uh, <clears throat> but here's how I think about it. I think about it both at the macro level and at the micro level. Uh, I think at the macro level, uh, there was a couple of things. 
we we've seen this kind of uh, enthusiasm, energy, uh, taking problems and turning them into opportunities for many of the entrepreneurs we've spoken to. So that's a common characteristic that Mike shares uh, with with many of the entrepreneurs that we've had conversations with. I think the other interesting thing is that you know he works for a not for profit. And I think this is the first not-for-profit person we've had on the podcast. I'm not 100% sure of that. But the point here is that not-for-profit, at least in the United States, all that fundamentally means is there's limit. it's a tax designation, and there's limitations on what you can do with your profits, right? It's not, it doesn't mean that you cannot make money. As a matter of fact, most not-for-profits at the end of the year have to make some money because, as they say, if there's, if there's no profit, there's no mission. Um, and, and so I think <clears throat> even if you're in a not-for-profit and you're, or you're thinking about starting one or you're becoming part of one or you're working at one, you still have to think entrepreneurially uh, to grow your business because it is a business. And, and, and Mike really takes that approach. And so that's sort of at a macro level how I thought about this. And, and then when you dive in down to the fine granules at the micro level, uh, Mike is just a sheer genius in, in sort of saying, okay, we happen to be in downtown and, and we have, you know, the whole ambassador program is, is just fabulous. And, and from the point of view of not just sort of integrating into the community and, and, and being accepted by the community. And it's not just being accepted by the community, it's being valued by the community. You're providing a valuable service, right? It's not about acceptance. Acceptance comes when you pro- it comes easier when you provide some value or some benefit. And, and, and Mike did that with the ambassador program. And then for, for his residents, it's a training opportunity, right? And, and it was interesting. I remember from his graduation talk, he talked about one of his ambassadors who was a former drug person. And this person sold drugs. So he wasn't just a user. He was a dealer. And, and Mike told this story about one day the guy came up to him and he said, Mike, I'd like to volunteer for the ambassador program. And, and Mike goes like, well, what do you mean? He goes, look, Mike, I know how to interact with people. I know how to sell stuff. <laughs> he goes, I know what people are looking for. I can, I can, I, I know how to do that, right? I did that for 20 years as a drug dealer. And, and, and Mike said for him, that was like a light went off. It was like, wow, this set of skills that this person has are very transferable into these other types of activities. And, and Mike told this very inspiring story at graduation about how that person now works as a salesperson for a you know a company and and how those skills were very transferable so to me it was number one inspiring and and i like to think about it both at the macro level as i said and the micro level and and i think think there's a lot of great lessons learned here and a lot of great opportunities and value that people can apply uh, to their own thoughts and ideas and businesses whether it be for-profit businesses or not-for-profit businesses yeah, great, Bela. I mean, there's really not much more to say, in all honesty. It's like we look at um, all the different ideas from entrepreneurship that we saw he has, Mike has integrated into what he does, um, his ability to pivot the organization, right, during COVID, 
his ability to uh, how he sees his donors as investors. I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, as as he um, this idea of using lean startup methodology, which he doesn't call it that, but this fail fast, right? Let's try things, and if we fail with people, if it's not the right fit, they're not the right program. Okay, let's move on and and try something different. So all of these things that he saw, and this idea that just the persistence that he saw that was so important to to make it in a nonprofit world where, yeah, when you're dealing with people with addiction problems, they're going to have relapses. And this is part of the deal. Um, and to know that people are going to fail, uh, that you you really hope will, will, will pull it out. And uh, it takes many times sometimes and you lose people. I'm sure these lost lots of people that were close to him that um, that died from um, living on the streets. It's a tough it's a tough life. Um, I worked in a homeless shelter um, in the late 1980s when homelessness really, um, grew exponentially after they started to close the mental hospitals and the prisons in the U S to cut the state budget, uh, budget costs. And a lot of these people ended up in prison. Um, again, some of the issues that we're seeing spilling out into the streets in the U S and a lot of people ended up in these large, um, homeless shelters or missions like what you have in Schenectady. This was, it was in Boston. Um, and yeah, it was just unbelievably challenging. Um, uh, the, the issues that people face and to give them some respect and to give them a leg up and to give them some hope and some opportunity is just huge. So really appreciate the work that he's doing. And I appreciate the fact you brought him on. Um, but yeah, the parallels between what he does and what startups face all the time were really, there was some striking similarities, but yeah, what a great, great person and a big heart and a great mind. And, um, yeah, I think that's all I have. I think sometimes less is more Bela, you know? Yeah. There's one thing I want to I want to uh, echo that Mike said um, before we wrap it up, hey, particularly given what's going on in, in various parts of the world uh, with the the racial unrest. Um, Mike said, "Community means appreciating differences," and I just thought that was you know one of those sayings that you hear once in a while, and you said, "Wow, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that." I want to say it one more time: community means appreciating differences so with that mike should we wrap it up let's wrap it up listeners we hope you enjoyed uh the last hour or so that we that you spent and hope you uh love uh to listen to what mike had to say um if you have questions about what we discussed or uh uh suggestions or anything please feel free to get in touch with us our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com and please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already we have lots of great guests uh, lined up. So until next week, signing off from upstate New York. Have a great week, Mike. Sounds great. Thanks, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. Bye for now. <laughs>